as a coach, one of the things that I work with, that, that we work with, clients will come in and they will say, it's not enough trust in our organization. And they think of it as a goal to achieve. I have to get to that place. And so what I will take them through is, uh, in addition to pointing out that, in my view, trust is the outcome that, that, that it, uh, grows out of our behavior. I then point out that there are actually two sides to that, which is to act in a way that is trustworthy and to act in a way that is trusting, mm. right? And it's this, it's this movement, again, here again, we have this inner and outer. Well, if I act in a trustworthy manner, in a way in which I have earned the trust of those around me, chances are really high that I have been acting with the integrity of inner and outer alignment. I have been leading from that space of courage and vulnerability, that two sides of the same coin, in a way where I am consistent in my behavior, where my outward expression is a manifestation of my consistently voiced values, where even when I inevitably, as a human being, fail to live up to those aspirational values, I own it. That then creates this ability to be trusted. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. I'm Dan Putt. As I was thinking of the episode we're sharing with you all today, I found myself continually drawn to a few poems. And it's only fitting because the guest is from an organization that actually reintroduced me to poetry probably about five, six years ago. And poetry had been really important to me in my, my teenage years and my high school years, but had fallen out. But this organization brought it back to me. So I actually wanted to share a poem that came to mind as I listened to this conversation. And this poem is called Four Presents by John O'Donohue. Awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. Have joy and peace in the temple of your senses. Receive encouragement when new frontiers beckon. Respond to the call of your gift and the courage to follow its path. Let the flame of anger free you of all falsity. May warmth of heart keep your presence aflame. May anxiety never linger about you. May your outer dignity mirror an inner dignity of soul. Take time to celebrate the quiet miracles that seek no attention. Be consoled in the secret symmetry of your soul. May you experience each day as a sacred gift woven around the heart. For presence, John O'Donoghue. Respond to the call of your gift and the courage to follow its path. May your outer dignity mirror an inner dignity of the soul. These two lines, they really hit for me. It takes great courage to hear that call and greater courage to follow its path. It takes great courage to allow our inner dignity of the soul to be shown to the world 
it takes great courage to even come to see the wholeness of who we are, to embrace it and to show it to the world. And it takes great courage to open space for others to do the same. But how could we live any other way? I am thrilled to welcome a close friend of Reboot and someone I have come to know and admire, Shelley Francis, to the podcast. I've had the chance to get to know Shelley and see her work as the Marketing and Communications Director for the Center of Courage and Renewal, an organization that really has had a tremendous impact and influence on our work here at Reboot. And Shelley recently wrote a book called The Courage Way, Leading and Living with Integrity, where she explores the courageous path and what ultimately is the path to living and leading a life of integrity, one that can allow us and our organization to tackle even the heaviest and largest of challenges. Enjoy. Managing quotas, tracking metrics, setting the strategy, managing the team. This is just a short list of the challenges that sales leaders come up against every single day. Your job is to build a sales culture, manage up, down, and sideways, while understanding what motivates the customer better than anyone else. In a role that requires so much attention on external factors, it is necessary to build an inner resilience as you move through the highs and the lows. If you're looking to learn from others who are going through similar challenges while gaining the tools to better understand your internal motivators, join the Reboot team October 19th in San Francisco for the in-person launch of our very first and often requested sales circle, which is for director, VP, and head of sales. To learn more and to apply, go to reboot.io slash circles. Hey, Shelly, it's great to see you again. Hey, Jerry, thanks for having me. So before we get started, why don't uh, we just take a moment, if you could introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Well, my name is Shelly Francis, and I am the Marketing and Communications Director with the nonprofit called the Center for Courage and Renewal. We're based in Seattle, and I have just finished launching the book that I've written for on behalf of the center called The Courage Way, Leading and Living with Integrity. It was a labor of love and a really fun project. And I will own... Uh, that I am a huge fan of the Center for Courage and Renewal. I'm a huge fan of Shelley, of you, but I'm, uh, we at Reboot are big fans of CCR, and we feel a kindred spirit uh, between the work that you do and the work that we do. And so I'm super excited to be able to talk to you today uh, really about this book and really about, more important, about the topics that are there because I think that there's tremendous overlap between the things that we are focused on and the things that I know that are implicit here. So um, let's, let's, let's jump in. Um, So the book is called the courage way. And just so we land ourselves, tell me from your perspective, what is courage? Hmm. Courage is such a big topic that I think we narrowly think of usually as something around physical prowess or something you have to do in the moment, like survive an illness or overcome something physical. Um, We also think of moral courage, the right, you know, the standing up, uh, speaking up against power. But I've really learned that courage is the energy that comes from our heart 
that motivates us in times of of trouble, of stress. And it's, it's like our deep inner core. It's truly like who we are when we're in those moments of courage. I believe that's when we're meeting our true self. Mm. And, and um, when we think about courage and leading from a place of courage, you know, folks like Brene Brown have done such an incredibly important and wonderful job of helping us understand the link between vulnerability and courage. And I see you nodding. And I think you, you, you know, I'm imagining like that, that you feel the same kind of resonance with that. So tell me about that link. Tell me about what that means for you. Because, you know, to be clear, the book is really a collection of stories around people who have, in my parlance, stepped into their full self and are leading from that place of courage. So um, I don't know, does that have resonance to you? It does because, you know, if we're saying that we're leading from the heart or leading from within, we're leading from our wholeness and a sense of self-awareness where we know not only our strengths, but we also know our limits and our challenges. And so we can be more transparent. We can be more present and aware of how we're bringing ourselves and how we're showing up as leaders. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, people are more likely to trust us. And we also trust ourselves more Mm -hmm. when we're coming from that place. Um, I think you're right about Brene Brown's uh, connection to vulnerability, because to go to that soft spot in your heart, you have to risk being seen as potentially someone who isn't strong or who doesn't fit the model of the strong brave stoic leader that we see all the time. But, you know, there, there's a, an author that I learned about named Rollo May who talked about four types of courage. And those are some that I explore in the book. So in addition to the physical and the moral, he talks about social courage. And I think that's what Bernie Brown is bringing to light so well, is how do we risk letting people know who we really are so that we can overcome our isolation Um, and just really be true to each other and true to ourselves. And then Rollo May also names creative courage, which I just love. And that's more than being an artist. It's creating new visions that people can rally around, which is so important in leadership, Um, creating community, creating solutions or movement on intractable problems and um, creating versus death dealing as as we often say what's life giving that you're you're putting into the world mm. so all of those aspects of leadership are there there's a broader sense of leadership i think when we understand that courage can be more than just the the traditional things that we usually think about mm. my my brain is popping right now i've got a bunch of uh, reactions and thoughts and questions um I'm I'm really struck by the notion of creative courage and you know so much of what we do involves hanging out with what I love to refer to as the pathologically optimistic entrepreneurs um social entrepreneurs um uh thoughtful entrepreneurs people who are in effect creating community and creating solutions around what they see as the world's challenges, the world's problems. Tell me more about creative courage. What does it mean? I just love the idea of creative courage because 
It's a sense of finding what's true for you and connecting to your meaning and passions from, from inside. And, you know, it's, I think there's a piece of paradox in creative courage is how can you see the challenges and the reality of the challenges and the hope and the, the vision that you can sense is possible and not get stuck in the cynicism or the overwhelm or the burnout, but stand somewhere in the middle that we call the tragic gap. I know you've talked about the tragic gap before. That right. this is the, about. Yeah, this is Parker's view of this place between the way I like to, to think of it. I've heard him describe it as the world we know is possible and the world as it is. And this, 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 this very, very difficult spot of standing in that place. But please. Yeah. yeah and, and it's so easy to do that black and white either or um, sit, you know, thinking about problems or thinking about where you are and fall to one side or the other. But if you add some third point somehow of um, a conversation or a, a new idea, bringing people together, suddenly there's, there's more space to have that conversation and you can create something rather than um, give up on problems. So I think that's the creative piece. You know, I, I have heard Parker talk about creativity a lot. And for me, creativity is one of those things where I want um, to be rejuvenated. It's, to me, it, it's something that gives energy, and when we have energy, then we it just builds on itself. If I, as a leader, can bring my heart and my energy to create something new or to create a sense of possibility, then it feels like it creates that vacuum that brings even more people in, and mm. so that we can move forward together. Mm. So there's a there's a there's a movement that I hear you describing and a movement almost like an orchestral movement, which is um, begins in a sense with knowing oneself, um, understanding one's own possibilities, one's own limitations, one's own strengths, one's own negative attributes, one's own positive attributes. And I use those terms loosely what we often refer to at Reboot as a kind of radical self-inquiry. And then from there, there's a kind of integrity that's called forth, which is inner and outer of alignment, which then allows the ability to step into the tragic gap. And so we stand there with our, our wholeness, if you will. And then from that place, we begin to see what is possible and we begin to see the world as it truly is. It's brokenness, it's wholeness, it's resources, it's capabilities and it's impediments and it's obstacles, all of it. And then we choose to act based on the stories that you have collected based on your own experiences. Have I just described the courage way? Hmm. I think you did. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I love that your company is named Reboot.io because mm. the I.O. for me reminds me of inner and outer. Ah, we never thought of that. We always <laughs> thought of input-output. Um, I know. But that's great. I love that. <laughs> Nicely done, Miss Francis. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, you know, I have 
I've played a lot with the graphic image of the Mobius strip. Yeah. Um, and the sense that, you know, when you take that flat piece of paper, you only, you can see one side or the other, but when you bring those ends together and twist it, you get a Mobius strip where it's all the same edge. It's all the same mm. piece. It's, and the leaders that I interviewed in the book, you know, whether they were conscious of it or not, when they would talk about how they were aligning themselves with who they are and what they do, they would run their hand around in this horizontal figure eight, which was really to me, the you know, it looks like the infinity symbol. Yes. But my theory is, you know, that infinity symbol is really the Mobius strip. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea that it only has one edge. Um, and I, we talk a lot about, you know, for years I've heard people talking about what's your growth edge? Like, oh, what if your growth edge is this Mobius strip of needing to, to, um, like, not just look at it as paper, but put yourself on it. I mean, imagine yourself on a Mobius strip, walking it or sliding down it or hanging on the edge by your fingertips. Yeah. Um, what does it feel like when you're you go inward and really look inward at your life, but you keep moving, you keep moving forward, and you come back out and you bring what you learned out. And then, you know, at the end of the day or at the end of a deep breath, you realize, oh, this outer world is taking a toll on me. I need to go back inward and integrate what I'm learning, what I'm feeling and fortify myself and come back out. You know, so it really is a movement and that could be a movement within 60 seconds, um, an hour, a day, a lifetime, you know, the seasons, but it's that constant um, breathing in and out that we do at the micro scale and then that big macro scale of being in our life and being in and of the world at the same time. I, I, I love uh, your depiction of that. First of all, we are going to steal reboot.innerouter. Uh, <laughs> reboot your inner outer. So just watch that in our marketing material. That's fantastic. And I love the fact that you pointed out something that we may have been working with unconsciously and not aware of. So that, so that was really powerful. And I love the way you describe this movement. And I bring attention to the fact that you talked about, in a sense, when the world feels too much with us. And I think of that Wordsworth poem, the world is too much with us that the place we go for strength, the place we go for nourishment and replenishment is inside. That, and, and, and you described it beautifully. At the end of the day, at the end of the breath, we go inside. And in a sense, to breathe again. Um, and, and if I may, can I expand upon that? Um, the outer part of that Mobius strip, in a sense, is what I see so many of our clients, perhaps even so many of the listeners of this podcast, struggling with. The truth is they struggle with both, but out of their fear, out of their sense of their, their perception of themselves as being deficient in some way or another, they measure their outer performance against an idealized view. 
And the result is, I think, that not only are the inner and the outer out of alignment, but I'm going to go to your subtitle here, which I always think is the most interesting part of a title of a book. Leading and living with integrity. And that mapping of the two, the, where the inner and the outer are in alignment, where the two sides of the Mobius strip are in fact one side, that for me feels like a definition of integrity. Mm. Does that resonate? It does. And I, I love playing with this idea of the Mobius strip with you because um, as I was really studying it during the book writing process, I was thinking, what is the what is the key to trust or courage? And you know, when you when you twist that paper and you put it together, that's the that's the line of integrity that you cross in a way to to go from inner to outer. Mm -hmm. And that it the glue of at that spot is trust. Mm -hmm. And so learning to trust your inner self, your true self, and learning to trust other people and community and what's out there in the world, that's what puts it together and, and enables the flow from inner to outer is trust. And so I think courage takes trust. Mm. Integrity takes trust, but we have to, we have to build up the trust in ourselves and who we are and knowing who we are really well. And like you said, the wholeness of who we are, um, and then trusting that we're not alone and we need other people and trusting that, that go back, going back to creating community, that to have a community that you can trust and to trust even a capacity to build community across lines of difference. That's when leadership gets larger and our hearts get larger and the possibilities get larger as well. Uh, I, I love that, that depiction. And, and once again, if I can elaborate on that, um, because as a coach, one of the things that I work with, that, that we work with, clients will come in and they will say, it's not enough trust in our organization. And they think of it as a goal to achieve. I have to get to that place. And so what I will take them through is, uh, uh, in addition to pointing out that, in my view, trust is the outcome that, that, that it, uh, grows out of our behavior. I then point out that there are actually two sides to that, which is to act in a way that is trustworthy and to act in a way that is trusting. Mm. Right. And it's this, it's this movement again, here again, we have this inner and outer. Well, if I act in a trustworthy manner, in a way in which I have earned the trust of those around me, chances are really high that I have been acting with the integrity of inner and outer alignment. I have been leading from that space of courage and vulnerability, that two sided of the same coin in a way where I am consistent in my behavior, where my outward expression is a manifestation of my consistently voiced values, where even when I inevitably, as a human being, fail to live up to those aspirational values, 
I own it. That then creates this ability to be trusted. But there's a corollary to this, which I think you name, which is that I can then trust that those around me will, as our, as our dear teacher Parker will point out, um, that those around me will talk, will point out to me when I've been operating, say, from my shadow or operating from a place of compromised integrity. Does this land with you? Yeah, to have those people that you can trust to be honest with you at times like that is so important um, that, that you have built up a relationship where you can have those kind of hard conversations and take it to heart, but not take it personally, maybe, so to speak. One of the things I learned um, in my book research was around relational trust. And we have a program that was piloted in elementary schools based on work that goes way back to the 80s. And they named four aspects of trust, relational trust specifically, that were really fascinating to me. Because what they named is that how I trust you, while it is as much about how you behave, it's also my perceptions of how you behave. And I may have biases and assumptions that are untested, but that are influencing how I react to your actions and behaviors. So these four, these four concepts are personal regard, uh, professional respect, competence, and integrity. And um, can I say just a little bit about each Ooh, one? Please. Is that personal regard is if you're my, my boss or somebody I work with, do I have the sense that you care about me as a human being? Mm. Do you know about my life? Have you asked mm. about my life? Um, do I feel like you care? Professional respect is, do I feel like you honor me and my contributions to our team, just as I honor the different, different pieces that you bring to the team? So it's recognizing that we all have different um, gifts that we're contributing, and we respect each other for that. The third one is competence. And I thought this was pretty interesting, is that, do I think you have what it takes to do your job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, sometimes we feel like leaders get promoted beyond their, um, the Peter principle, you know, beyond mm-hmm. their abilities to work. But if you look at it from the leader's standpoint, and what if you're not trusting your team that you've hired to do the work that you, that you wanted them to do, is, are, are you questioning their competence? And is there something you as a leader are not doing training-wise or whatever, to make sure they have the competence and the ongoing learning. I think that's an interesting twist to the mm-hmm. concept of competence. And then integrity is, you know, all the things we think about integrity. It's not only the ethics, but do I have the sense that you're acting on the best behalf of the people we're serving? You know, so in schools, are you making con- um, decisions for the sake of the children? Or if it's in business, are you making decisions on the basis of the stakeholders and shareholders or the people that we're really trying to serve in our customers. Mm. So when you put all that together, it comes back to how do I perceive what you're doing? And the only way I can actually know what's true about that is for us to have honest conversations back and forth and really relate to each other. And that Mm. takes time. Mm. But that's um, a huge piece of what can happen when people are self-aware and owning their stuff Mm. and willing and inclined to have conversations and interact with each other. 
Mm. I, you know, uh, your, your, your phrase about it, bringing back, coming back to open, honest conversation reminds me of something my partner, uh, Khalid Halim often says, which is that all problems in organizations are people problems and all people problems are communications problems. And so what we're really talking about is that an essential element of courage of leading with courage is the willingness to have open, honest, agenda-free, vulnerable, truthful conversation. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so the practices I think that you probably use at Reboot too are, um, we we have some practices we call touchstones. And the three that I have found were the stickiest for the leaders that I interviewed were a touchstone called when the going gets rough, turn to wonder. Mm. Um, And that means I wonder what that person's thinking that's pushing their buttons. And you try to step back and be non-judgmental about it. Or I wonder what they just said, why it's pushing my buttons. Mm. But you take a moment to pause. And the second one is the idea that you're not, you don't always have to be here to fix or save or advise another person. You can just listen. And you can really shift your relationships with people you work with if you're just there to support their growth rather or help them find their own inner wisdom rather than just quickly fix and advise. Um, And then the the most powerful one is the idea of open, honest questions. And how can you ask questions that don't have an agenda or don't have a sense of, oh, can we just get them to say what I think they need to say or see what they need to say, but really help them find their own answer. Um, and all of those, those three things, especially, I think create a, a, a good conversation, can create a really good conversation if you, especially if you practice it over time. Yeah. I, it, it, we, 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 we do, uh, very much link into the touchstones of circles of trust, which is what you're referring to. And, and, uh, which is part of the deep and profound work of the center for courage and renewal, uh, given that our, realm of audience tends to be entrepreneurs we also find that the non-fixing approach is one of the most difficult pieces um and 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 i want to be gentle around that i think that um so many leaders come from uh aspirationally high achieving backgrounds where they did well in school where they did well in their early careers, where they are now being, um, whether they whether they want to or not, they're being called, in effect, to fix constantly. And then for us as as uh, elders who who encourage a pause in a process to simply step into a place and say, "Hey, you know, no fixing." Well, there's another opportunity which is to recognize and honor the ways in which fixing has served them well and the way it's probably an overused tool that is no longer sufficient and that there is a different way. And when we're talking, you know, you and I are nodding because we kind of have a shorthand when we say fixing. So let's, let's just hang out with that for a moment. As a parent, In order to to manage my anxiety, 
uh, from the moment of my children's birth, I stepped into fixing. Um, and oftentimes it was needed. A diaper needed to be changed at three o'clock in the morning. Um, uh, a, a, a skinned knee needed to be kissed and bandaged. Um, a diorama needed to be built, right? A textbook needed to be run over to school, right? Um, and then as we grow into adulthood, as we grow into the fullness of ourselves, um, we become fixers in school and, and fixers in, 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 and our competency gets measured by our ability to solve problems, to see and to solve problems. But then we find ourselves running out of fixing. We find ourselves, as I often will, will, will point out to exhausted clients. Do you ever sit there at night and say, why the heck can't anybody make a decision without me? And then we go back and they realize, ah, oh, I've been stepping in. I've actually uh, been complicit in this process. And, uh, and so the invitation to not fix takes courage. Or, or accepting the invitation to not fix takes courage. Um, just as uh, uh, on the colleague side, the letting go of the expectation to be fixed takes courage. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the last uh, thing I would say is the, the other touchstone that I like is to allow silence. Because I actually think that there's a correlation between not fixing and allowing silence. Mm -hmm. The spaciousness. The spacious. Because to not fix means I have to sit in the place of it being unfixed and uncertain and un unsure of the outcome. And that feels an awful lot like a conversation that has a lot of silence in it. Does that resonate? It does. And it's funny that you mentioned that touchstone because we've had so many conversations about it in the past uh, year or so, especially around just the word silence um, versus stillness mm. and, um, you know, finding your inner stillness and listening deeply for what comes up, what can burble up out of your inner wisdom when you take the time to have that spacious um, pause um, but there have been objections to the word silence, too, um, because in a different context, there are marginalized people who have felt silenced. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's a distinction, and we're not talking about that. Um, but that's definitely, you know, power dynamics and racialized society, all of that. There's a lot of reasons why silence could trigger somebody to um, reject even the idea of the value of silence. Um, but if we can if we can emphasize the stillness or the spaciousness or the listening quietly piece, um, then you can have a moment to experience that kind of silence. And I think it takes a special kind of um, boundaries that get in place in a circle of trust with trusted facilitators to hold that space safely so that you can experience, oh, this is what that that's all about. 
Yeah, I, I I love the fact that you're having that discussion, and I loved. I really resonated with the word stillness. I would offer that there there perhaps might be uh, a space for for some language that speaks to the non-verbalized experience because um, I have found whether it's with coaching or in group work or just simply being in relationships with uh, other humans, there is a dialogue that is occurring even when the words are not flowing. Um, And sometimes words and actions come from a place of fixing and changing. And sometimes they come from a place of hearing and holding. Um, And I think slowing down and allowing intentionality to rise um, may be the call that uh, creates more opportunity for creative expression, for genuine, authentic expression. arise I love that you use the word intention Mm -hmm. Um, that goes inward again Mm -hmm. um, and that concept of paying attention with intention Mm -hmm. um, helps be present well I often I often joke I mean the folks who listen to this uh, podcast know very well that I'm a Buddhist so Jerry's going to talk about Buddhism again um the four noble truths include the fourth noble truth is what's known as the eightfold path. And I find it fascinating that among the steps in the eightfold path are right livelihood. But the one that I find most intriguing is right intention Hmm. and right intention. uh, You know, we have to be slippery because ego is really awesome in its superpowers and it can convince us that we are operating out of our right intention. Um, and what I have found is that stillness can provide a window into our truest intentions, which then enable us to make conscious choices about what intention we are working from. Yeah, I think about the ego and the soul stories that we tell ourselves. You know, the ego is all on the resume, but the soul stories are the truth of who we are as whole human beings. And when we can see that in ourselves and seeing it it in each other, it's like that namaste. Yeah. Bow to each other. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, you know, this has been uh, an incredible conversation and so many of the themes resonate with the work that we try to bring forth in the world. And um, I am super proud to know you as a friend and to know you as an author. Um, And I think that uh, you've done uh, a deep and profound service for the center, for the Center for Courage and Renewal, but more important for those of us who seek to lead from a place of integrity even as we struggle with our own brokenness. Well, that's the wholeness part, isn't it? <laughs> thank that you. is, I did. Well, thank you so much. It was really fun talking to you today. 
If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcasts to listen to all three seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long till my soul gets it right? Can any human being ever reach that kind of light? I call on the resting soul of Galileo, king of night vision, king of insight. I wish I could tell anybody who's like in that place of they're stuck and they're tired and they're scared and they're lonely and you could name a thousand other emotions or feelings. Like I just wish that I could tell them that there is a way to see Mm. yourself through that. And yes, Mm -hmm. you have to walk through it (laughs) and do the work. And there is something there for you that will bring you the most amazing life that you've ever had. Are you in the midst of a major life change and feeling alone in the quagmire of feelings? Are you longing for more meaning in your personal or professional life? Or are you already in the midst of the turmoil and excitement of a business or role transition? The Reboot Quest is a truly one-of-a-kind experience to support startup CEOs, founders, and leaders who are confronted with personal and professional questions that simply won't go away. This September 6th through 14th, join Reboot Guides Jim Marsden and Jade Shear for a -a one-of-a-kind nine-day adventure in Wolf Creek, Montana. You'll return with the more authentic self emerging, seeing more clearly your work to be done in the world. To learn more and apply for the Reboot Quest, go to reboot.io slash quest.